Everybody, happy, 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 happy Sunday. Uh, we have a great message, not because I wrote it, because I didn't. God gave it to me, but I think it's going to challenge you. I want to welcome everybody. I'm Miles McPherson, pastor of the Rock Church. Uh, we are in week two of a series called Disciple. Please hit the share button, send it out to your friends. We've got to get this word out. We've got to make disciples. Make disciples. Why don't you stand to your feet? We are going to pray. And stand in honor of the presence of God in the house. And by the way, the number one reason you should come to church is not to hear the sermon, not to worship, not to be in fellowship. The number one reason you should come to church is to engage in the presence of God. Engage in the presence of God. Now he uses all those things, but you can hear a sermon and not engage in God. You can worship and not engage in the presence of God. So we want to acknowledge from the very beginning or we already had worship. I'm sure you engaged in the presence of God at that time, but we want to do it right now and, and stand and say, Lord, you are here. We respect you and we're going to pray to you. So Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. We honor you. We worship you. We praise you. We submit to you. And Lord, I pray that you challenge us even now to trust you with our whole life. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's get the Bibles out. Get your Bibles out. We're going to turn to Acts chapter 9. On the count of three, say word. One, two, three, word. Turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts, fifth book of the Bible. Fifth book of the Bible. Um, I would venture to say for my lifetime, and I can't speak for the whole American history, but in my lifetime I've never seen so much division. I mean, I was a little kid, it was very segregated, but now it's so people are at each other's throat over so many topics, whether it be racism, whether it be politics, whether it be COVID, whether it be you know, that, that climate change and all the issues in politics, there's just so much division and it's in the church. Some churches are divided on political lines. There's some people in churches like, you, you, how could you vote for that person? How can you vote for that person? And how can you believe that about COVID? How could you believe that about COVID? And people are just at each other's throat. And because we have social media and people can hide behind their phone, they're, st they're starting to express that hatred and that division. And it is... I'm not scared, but it's scary where it's going. Here's my question to you. We started this series called The Disciple last week. 
And we've been talking about being a disciple of Jesus. But what happens when Jesus asks you to be a disciple of him with somebody who is your enemy? And I'm even going to take it one step further. Are you such a disciple of Christ that you would allow God to show you one of his disciples before they are his disciple? As a matter of fact, and say it another way, that there is somebody in your life who you, doesn't like you, by the way, hates you, hates you. Are you in a place in your walk with God where you can actually see in them a disciple of Jesus? We're going to talk about the conflict of discipleship. This conflict where God has called us to love our enemies and those who hate us. Let me read this verse to you from Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 45. You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I don't know where you heard that. I mean, you heard that, but that's not me. This is Jesus talking. You might have heard that over there, but not here. It says, but I say to you, this is Jesus talking. I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons and daughters and children of your Father in heaven. In other words, if you're a child of God, the people who hate you, you've got to love. Now, Jesus is never going to ask you to do something he hasn't done. He's not going to ask you something he's never going to do to himself way better than any of us do it. So he's saying to us, love those who hate you, who spitefully use you, who curse you, stab you in the back, lie to you, cheat you. Love. That is going to be the evidence that you are his disciple. God has not called us to be disciples of information. He's not called you to be a disciple of information. Now, he's called us to study the word. Yes, show yourself approved. A workman who rightly divides the word of truth. Absolutely. But he's called us to be a disciple more than anything. A disciple of love. We have to learn in our journey and our discipline. How do we love better? And there is no greater love than you can have than to love your brother who doesn't like you. That's a disciple. So we're going to see in this passage, in the story today, how God does it. Remember, God would never ask us to do something he hasn't done. So we're going to see God love this guy named Saul. You know him as Apostle Paul, who was God's enemy. God's enemy. Okay, Acts chapter 9. Um, three, three points of a disciple. Minister, mentor, multiply. This is what I'm going to challenge you in this whole series is that you as a disciple say, I want to minister. I want to understand my gifts and talents because I could have the gifts and talents of God, but I'm living that way when I'm supposed to be living that way. So first step is I want to minister and serve the kingdom of God and serve other people with my gifts. Number two, I want to mentor someone else. We're going to see God minister to Paul, Saul, then Paul. And then he's going to mentor him and then multiply. He's going to empower people to reproduce the process. So are you minister, ministering, serving the kingdom of God, people, for the purpose of knowing God, with your gifts? Number two, are you mentoring someone, investing in somebody? And number three, are you multiplying yourself? Very simple, three things, okay? Watch this, watch this. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Then Saul, then Saul, then Saul. Now, you know him as the Apostle Paul. At this moment, his name is Saul. I want you to listen to him because he was the enemy of God. 
He was an enemy of God. Saul breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Breathing threats and murder. So the disciples of Jesus, he was killing them. Threatening them. I'm going to murder you. And he was. And he went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus so that he might find any who were of the way, Christians, whether men or women, that he might bound them up and bring them to Jerusalem, put them on trial and kill them. This, this, is, this is the apostle Paul before his name was Paul, it was Saul. As a matter of fact, a lot of times when people give their life to God, he gives them a different name. Why? Because he changes their identity. He makes them realize, this is who I made you to be. You had a false identity before. Now you got a real identity. Ooh, come on now. And then, so Saul was a persecutor of the church. He was murdering people in the church. Number one, Paul threatened God's people. The Bible says that Paul threatens God's people. Saul still breathing threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest. I just read it. He threatened God's people. Paul Killed God's people in Acts chapter 7. For the first um, martyr, when, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed their teeth. But being full of the Holy Ghost, Stephen, the first martyr, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the God. This is the first guy ever killed. And then it says, He cried out with a loud voice, Stop. Their ears and they ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes down at the feet of a young man named Saul. First guy killed. They put first Christian that we know of that was martyred. They laid his, his clothes down at a young man named Saul who was overseeing the, 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 the stoning. Saul, Paul boasted about persecuting the church. Philippians chapter 3, if he's saying about himself, if anyone he thinks he may have confidence in the flesh and what he's done in the natural, I more so. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the Bible, I was a Pharisee, very trained for many years in the Bible. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. I persecuted the church. In other words, I was so on fire with the Old Testament, I saw Christians as the enemy that I killed them. This is Saul, the apostle Paul, before his name was changed. And here's the setup. He is an enemy of God. Matter of fact, Paul admits to being an enemy. Look what it says in Romans chapter 5. When, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. When we were enemies. Now, he was straight up enemy. He was straight up enemy. So that's the context. Now you have to understand, God knows and is watching this guy. Known him since he was in the womb. He's watching him. And you're going to see the plan God has for his life. Now why is this important? It's because God wants to show you, people in your life, that he wants to be disciples, but he needs you and I to see it also. Here's what I'm going to challenge you. And there's somebody in your life who is, that you don't like them. They don't like you. That you would pray and say, God, show me who is that person that you have chosen that you want me to love like you love. So we, we've, already, we've already stated that this guy is the enemy of God. Acts chapter 9. Let's look at the story. Acts chapter 9. It says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, verse 3. 
and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. He fell to the ground, heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Here's the thing about it. If you criticize the people of God, you are criticizing God because the people of God make up the body of Christ. You mess with my people, you mess with me. You remember that. You mess with him, you mess with me. You, you, you know a little kid in the school had the, had the big football player that was going to uh, protect him. He says, you mess with him, you mess with me. You mess with my sister, you mess with me. Jesus is saying, Saul, you mess with my people, you're messing with me. And then Saul says, Lord, he said, who are you, Lord? And he was saying, ain't nobody can hit me off my horse but you. And then he said, Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembled and was astonished and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, you know what would be so amazing if you and I would just have that attitude with God. God, what do you want me to do? God smacks you upside your head however he wants to do it. And, and you go, God, my bad. What do you want me to do? Not, oh, God, it's not fair. You know, this person got this and that person got this and I, I'm better looking. I'm, I hope we got more. T-. Shut up and just say to God, what do you want me to do? This guy is killing Christians. He's on his way to arrest Christians. And God knocks him to the ground. And he goes, okay, now I know you're the Lord. Okay, now I'm going to worship you just like that. Just like that. Let's keep reading. And then it says, Verse 7, the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, having a voice, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. He was blind. <laughs> but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus, and he was three days without sight, neither he ate nor drank. Now, three things. Before I get into my, to my points, number one, this guy, this is not my point yet, this is just a setup, context. Saul was killing Christians. He was a Pharisee. He was trained in the Bible, religious leader, zeal for God, killing Christians. Thinks he's doing the right thing. God says, boom, you're persecuting me. Immediately Saul says, I now submit to you. God took a sight. Three days. He didn't eat. Fasting. Imagine you are like this bad dude with all this authority. And now all of a sudden you're blind and everything you thought about God is turned upside down. And you're blind and people are taking you by the hand and, and you're not going to eat. That's, another, that's a minor thing. You can't see. And God just told you you were persecuting him. Saul's so like, I'm in trouble. And he can't see. But little does he know that this is his transformation. That God is transforming him from an enemy to a friend. Number one in your notes. God ministers to and with his former enemies. Look what happens. Verse 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, he said, Ananias, here I am, Lord. He said, arise, go to a street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, Everybody knew who he was. For behold, he is praying. And in the vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So he is Saul. He got knocked to the ground. He's blind. He's like, and God shows him in a vision. A guy named Ananias is going to come pray for you. He must be tripping. Now Ananias, look what Ananias says. Verse 13, Ananias said, 
<laughs> dumb thing. Lord, have you heard what this man has done? Of course, the, of course God has heard. He's seen it all. He's, there. He's God. Have you heard how many things about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem? Do you know who this is? I'm God, fool. And he has authority to, from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Do you know that? But the Lord said to him, go, watch this. He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how, much, how many things he must suffer. God says, I picked him. You know that person you don't like? It's very possible God picked them. You think that they're, they're, they're bad, they're garbage, they're this. God said, no, no, no. I already picked them. I got stuff for him to do. Now, you may be that person. You may be that God hater, right? You, you got attitude. You don't like Christians. You know, you, you put them in all these categories politically or, or for whatever, whatever uh, category you have them in that makes them lower than you or, or you use an excuse to hate them. Okay, put all that aside. God said you're persecuting me. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. No one's perfect. No one's perfect, but, but they bear my name. So, but I want you. So you may be that, you may be the, you may be the Saul. Now you're not killing them with your bat, but with your words and your thoughts. God says, I want you. I got something. That's how much God loves you, by the way. What you're doing is wrong, but he still loves you and you got a plan. This, this is a cool thing. Look what it says in verse 17. Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying hands on him and said, brother Saul, Brother Saul. Now, this is the disciple that you and I have to be. If God calls you to minister to someone that you don't like, will you call him Brother Saul? Will you express love the first time? Or will you have an attitude? God's saying, I need you to, I need you to love on this guy. You just have to trust God. Because huh, huh. there's nobody in this church, not one person in any church in the world, including this one, obviously, that was perfect before and perfect now. It says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road came. He has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight and he arose. Could you do that? Puedes hacerlo. Can you do that? Could you, <clears throat> under the direction of God, go to someone who you know has been anti-God, even to the violent, to be violent, could you go to them and say, I want to pray for you? That's a disciple. Not only was God doing it as our role model of discipleship, Ananias, the disciple, was doing exactly what God told him to do. Remember, Saul said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Same thing, Ananias, what do you want me to do? And Ananias was like, I'm not sure... That you know what I'm, you're asking me. Okay, I get that you know, we're on the same page. Now I'm going to go do it. That's a disciple. That's a disciple. It's not, oh, I'm just going to read this book once a day and I'm going to pray once a day. And now I'm a disciple. No, no, no. Remember, you have to be disciple of love. And it's going to come and it's going to prove itself when it has to do with people who are on the other side of the tracks. Number two, God mentors his enemies. Now, this is, this is pretty interesting because... Once Saul got saved and he realized that the gospel was the proper interpretation of everything he learned, that Jesus was the savior of the world, that he died and rose from the dead, that he was God's son. Once he realized that what he was hating was actually the truth, 
first thing he did, he went alone to be with God. And, and, and such an important lesson because we can get so dependent on what people say. Yeah, go to church, get a, you know, be in small group. You should be in small group and all that kind of stuff. Trust me, text groups to 52525. Please get in a group or start a group. Absolutely, we need each other. However, we all serve him. And individually, you have to have a discipline of spending time with him. That has to be the foundation of your life. Probably one of my favorite times. I'm a night owl. I love staying up late at night. But I haven't lived my night owlness for a long time. Because I realized I was missing out on my morning time. So I switched my life. And now I'm a morning person and not a night out. Even though at the drop of a dime, I can stay up. But, but I had a switch because I wanted that morning. So I get up early, long before the sun comes up, and I go into my office and I turn on worship music. I used to, you know, get in trying to learn all this stuff and it was frying my brain. I said, okay, first thing I'm going to do, and, and I want to encourage you to do this. Just get where you can listen to worship music. Now for me, I spend some time on my knees first thing and just surrender my life, my day and everything to God. But then I walk and I pray in English and in Espanol. I sing the worship songs and I just say, Lord, me and you. Even before I, before I read a whole lot, just me and you. And it is, I open my windows, get some air and just listen, worship and just me and God. So what Saul did when he got saved, if you will, got the Holy Spirit, he went to Arabia. This is it's like, it's just a little bit about this in the Bible, but he went to Arabia. Look what it says in Galatians when he was getting, his authority was being challenged. And they were like, you know, who are you? And he says, look, but I made known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. What I got, what I'm giving you, I didn't get from people. Now I learned the Old Testament, but when I realized what the truth was, I got it from God. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught, but it came to me through the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. You have to get stuff from God directly. You have to have a habit and a way as a disciple to just be in the presence of God and get stuff from God directly. One of the things you could do is put on music and just start with worship. And then when I'm even reading, I just leave the music on and it just sets the tone. It, 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 it establishes and reminds me and engages me in the presence. And just leave it playing, leave it playing. And it is so relaxing, it's so calming, so peaceful. And now I'm here and then God's speaking and we're just, we're grooving. Now my day is set. And I'll do that for, you know, <laughs> hour, two hours, you know, and I'm not in a rush. That's why if I get up really early, I'm not in a rush. If I get up late, then I'm flustered and, you know, every, all the electronics are on and it's, it's no good. No bueno. But when it's still dark outside and it's still quiet, birds haven't even gotten up. I'm up before the birds. Birds get up. I'm already, I'm already, I'm already finishing up. And so, but my point is you want to have that habit in your life. It's not about information. The information is absolutely a part of it, but it's not a mental thing. It's a spiritual thing. Because even if you read the information, you've got to hear what is God telling you through the information. 
It's about revelation. And so here he is. He said, this is Paul in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. For you have heard my former conduct. Do you remember when I was killing, how I persecuted the church beyond measure and I tried to destroy it. And I advance in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for my traditions. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, God is the one who took me out of my mother's womb and, by the way, ordained me to do this before I was born. Jeremiah 1.5. Jeremiah says, before I was born, God separated me to be a prophet. This is what he's saying. Now looking back on it, God had this plan for my life all along. And it says, to, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. I didn't go to man. I didn't go to man. This is so powerful. The first thing I did, I didn't go to Jerusalem. I didn't go to man, to those who were apostles. I went to Arabia. Now, what's Arabia? Later in Galatians chapter 4, verse 25, he connects Arabia with Mount Sinai. What is Mount Sinai? Mount Sinai is where God gave Moses the law. Mount Sinai is where God establishes his people. They came out of Egypt. They camped at Mount Sinai. He said, you now are my people. It was at Mount Sinai that Elijah, after he killed the 450 prophets of Baal, ran from Jezebel. It was at Mount Sinai, that whole area, Mount Oreb, the mountain of God, where God spoke to him. Elijah, a man who was zealous for God. So he is Saul. He knows all this in the Bible. Saul says, I'm going to go back there, the mountain of God, and I'm going to meet with God for three years. What? And God's going to speak to me. The first thing Jesus did in his ministry, first thing after the Holy Spirit came on him when he was baptized, he went into the wilderness for 40 days. First thing. Saul said, look, me and God are going, I got to get stuff right with God. And he goes there. God disciples his enemies and he turns them into his friends, turns them into his disciples. And lastly, number three. God multiplies the kingdom through his former enemies. Saul wrote half the New Testament. It's 27 books. He wrote 13 of them, give or take. He wrote 13 books out of the 27, so it's just right under half. The guy who was killing Christians wrote half the New Testament. He went on multiple missionary journeys. He was persecuted himself and eventually killed for the gospel. He was arrested multiple times. He made disciples everywhere he went. He planted churches. This is the guy that the Christians were fearful of. And God said, he's my chosen vessel. So here's my encouragement to you. Is that today you would say, Lord, I want to be a disciple. And I, I pray a couple things in this message. Number one, that there are people in your life that you would never discount anybody from being God's disciple. Anybody. That you would get out of your head what a disciple looks like. 
because you don't know. It's a, it's a continuum. It's a process. Some people have been walking with God for a long time and they may have Bible verses down. They may have a certain look to them and a certain, you know, uh, way they talk. And then some people are in the very beginning of the journey where they haven't even met Christ yet. But God reveals that to you. That you would say, Lord, show me. And, and by the way, your role in their life may simply be God loves you. I was in a prison once. I had just finished speaking and there were these three white supremacists walking around the track. No shirt on. They had tattoos and blah, blah, blah. And God said, and it was like two or three hundred guys on the, out in the yard. Black, white, black, white, um, uh, Latino, Pacific Islander, all in their groups. And so I went up to the track and called the dude over. And he came. I said, yo, man, come here. And there's three of them walking. And he had all attitude. And, and he got right here. And I said to him, literally he's standing this close to me. And I had just spoke to the yard. So it's like everybody knew they saw me walk off the stage and walk over to the tracks. Like, what's he going to do? Now I'm talking to this white supremacist. And I said to him, Jesus is looking for you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, hey, man, I'm just telling you, Jesus is looking for you. Now, I have no idea what happened with that dude. Don't, I have no idea. Never met him. Never, didn't even ask him his name. I don't think. I don't remember that. And never saw him again. But what if, and this is 100% what if, what if that was his Saul encounter? I don't know. Could it be? 100%. We have former white supremacists that go to church here. They're my very, very close friends. Been to prison. They were that guy. Now, it's different people, but I'm saying they were in that same position. They go to church here and are in ministry. Can God use you for that? Even if you're wrong. Even if you're wrong, you go up to someone and say that. God bless you and what he's going to do in that. God's word never returns void. So number one, I pray that this message has opened your eyes to say, Lord, I need to love everybody because I can't put people in categories that are my enemies and not because that may be your guy, your girl. And number two, you're a soul. You think, well, I can never be that. Godly. I can never memorize scripture. I can never like talk to people about the Bible. Why not? Why not? I want to pray for you that you would make a decision to be a disciple and that you would sign up today to be a disciple, to get in a group, text groups to 52525, and you're saying, Lord, I am going to pursue you with all my heart. I want to be a disciple. I'm not ruling that out. If you could do that to Saul, you can get me one step further and another, another step further. So let's all pray. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Dear God, you did an amazing thing in Saul's life. You took a guy that the church was fearful of. That was, he was killing Christians. And you made him an amazing disciple, an apostle, a leader in the church. His words has shaped Christianity, the very thing he tried to destroy. And there are people listening right now who think, I could never do anything for God. I'm just going to attend church every now and then. And you say, no, 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 no. I have so much for you. So if you would like to surrender your life to be a disciple, pray this prayer with me. Pray, dear God, 
I want to make a decision to be a disciple. I want to honor you with my words, my life. I want to be a minister of the talents you've given me. I want to eventually mentor people as Saul did, as Paul did. And I want to multiply myself as Paul did in Timothy and Titus and Silas. I surrender my life to you. I want to be a disciple. If you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to, the pastors are where you're going to act, going to be, ask you to stand up. So I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.